0: And with children and adolescents, it's not always possible to speak that much. So I was looking for other stuff, how you can experience solutions and resources and different things in another way than with language.
1: That is Simply Focus with Elfie Czerny and Dominic godad for Live and joy and Are you ready for this new episode? Then please welcome your hosts, Elfie Czerny and Dominic godad
2: hello hello it's episode number 88 already and we are here today in Bern with Ursula Bühlmann hello Ursula hi hello Elfie hi Dominique hi everyone out there we're so glad to be here today with you we're sitting in your beautiful private practice in the city center of Bern where everything as Swiss say is a bit slower but we don't have the feeling that everything is so slow here yeah we are looking forward to our conversation with you. You today so thanks so much for having us thank you
1: it's such a privilege to be here together with each other we're here with Bibiana she's sitting next to us we're in your private practice your solution focused psychiatrist working with children, adolescents and adults and the child section is right where bibiana is in front of all the toys so we'll see how we'll hear her in the background you're also doctor of traditional chinese medicine yep. you're solution focused trainer you're solution focused supervisor you do so many different things for such a long time and we've known each other for quite some years and it was always impressive to see what you do and also how you do it and when we came back to Switzerland we knew exactly that we would love to have you on the podcast and we're so happy to be here.
2: One thing we are also very grateful for is all the work you do in spreading the solution-focused approach. You're a former board member of the network of solution-focused practitioners in Switzerland, the NLA. You're vice president of the EBTA and in those roles you're doing a lot of work to spread the word about solution focus to support people to organize conferences and yeah be part of a sharing community so thank you very much for that
1: thank you (laughs) so now of course we're curious what fascinates you about solution focus
0: yeah I knew that you are asking this question. (laughs) I think there are a lot, a lot of things that fascinates me about solution focus approach. First of all, it's the idea that people is responsible and expert for their lives. And I love this because I don't have to be the expert, because as medical doctor, you learn for years that you are the expert. And for me, it's very important that I'm not. So it's much more relaxing. And then there are other stuff. So the focus of the whole approach, it's so important where you focus, because I think that focusing is generating new realities. So that's the other stuff. And then, of course, it's this to be kind with people. And this atmosphere in sessions, but also in conferences or being together with others. Yeah, that's another thing that fascinates me about the approach. And there are a lot of other things. I think that would take
2: hours. Well, so let's explore some of them. (laughs) So you told us earlier today the story that when you had your first job at a hospital that you felt like, oh, I'm not sure if I really like Mm -hmm. to be the expert as much and then you, well, maybe you can tell the story, actually. So how did
0: you meet (laughs) Solution Focus? Yeah, it's a very funny story, I think. I had different jobs in hospitals and I realized, ah, I'm not really getting happy with that. And then I had my first child and I knew that I want to continue working, but I didn't want to work in this way. And then as coincidence, I saw something in a newspaper and they were looking for a medical doctor in child and adolescent psychology Psychiatry. And it was like no experience in psychiatry needed. And I thought, okay, I will give them a phone call (laughs) and I will go there. Yeah. And then I got this job. And it was a team that already worked with a solution-focused approach. And when was that? I think it was 1994. Wow. And so I was really in a not-knowing stance coming in psychiatry. I had no idea about psychiatry. And I think that was good. An advantage also not to understand a lot in psychiatry. The team was working also already a little bit solution-focused. And yeah, then this journey
2: started. And what difference did it make to not have an expert position you say you like it so what difference did it make back then and what differences does it make today. We were talking about Steve
0: and Insu before and there is another story. (laughs) So then we went to Heidelberg and I saw Steve. And in the second time when I saw him, I was showing a video and Steve was looking at in the group. And then he was stopping the video and he said, Ursula, if I would be behind the mirror, I would give you a phone call into the room and I would tell you, Ursula, you are working too hard. So this is a sentence that is with me for years now. And it tells me that clients are working and not myself has to be working too much. And that's something what I train every day, I think. Not to work too hard. What a beautiful thing to yeah. do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I got some strategies. So sometimes it's really my body changing. So if I lean a little bit back, for example, in a chair, it helps me to lean back also in the work with people and not to have the idea that I have to work too much, like (laughs) leaning forward. No, it's leaning backwards.
1: And that connects well to one of your main topics in the last few years Mm -hmm. that you brought to conferences. How can we do solution focus with and also without or with less language? Mm -hmm. So really also doing solution focus with other means.
0: Yeah, because first of all, I was working with children and adolescents and I realized ah, there is so much language and with children and adolescents, it's not always possible to speak that much. So I was looking for other stuff, how you can experience solutions and resources and different things in another way than with language. And I also realized that. The body and body-mind connection and how this is connected, it's for me, it's a very important thing. And it's an interesting thing also, maybe to use the whole body in the solution focus way to work. And yeah, this offers a lot of creative things to do. And I love it. It's also fun for myself.
1: So what fun things are you doing with your clients? <laughs>
0: I hope that my clients lead me to the things that I'm doing with them. So These are different things. So, for example, drawing or using clay or moving or we are walking, for example, we are going out and walk or we are using mental training. So imagination things. Yeah. So using the whole body and all senses to experience solutions and resources.
2: And when you say you hope your clients lead you to the things you do with them. So Mm. how does that work? Do you have an example maybe for us? I don't know if I have an example, but it's this
0: idea of leading from one step behind, maybe as Steve said. It's listening. And I think the approach is about listening. So listening the client or the team or whatever you have here and then following and out of the conversation. Normally, there are ideas coming up. And I ask people also if they allow me to think out loud things that are coming up. So maybe then sometimes things are coming up, what we could do, but sometimes there is nothing. So there is just conversation. So this is what I mean with clients are leading me to the doing things or to the other things.
1: So really listening and also sharing your thoughts and checking with your clients Mm -hmm. and going the way together. Yeah. You also mentioned solution-focused conversations without language or with less language from your client. How do you work with people who have less language or maybe also no language?
0: Normally there is a little bit of language or also normally then there are parents or people from institutions helping people, but a lot of people can't or doesn't like to talk too much. And of course, I'm asking them what they like to do or what resources they have. And then I try a little bit to connect. And my idea is always to get some information about solutions or best hopes or preferred future in different ways. And that means that just doing as if, for example, or making a drawing from the preferred
1: future. So doing as if really acting it out. Mm -hmm.
0: And maybe I can say that because I'm a medical doctor, I have a little bit this idea of that experiences are big networks. And networks, that's not only brain, that's whole body. And it's always connected also with the whole body and the environment. And that gives me the idea that if I am experiencing, for example, solutions or preferred future with different senses, it prepares networks that can help maybe changing something in client's life but i say maybe because i never know what's happening
1: so also there this you know, body mind connection that you mentioned in the beginning in an approach that is mainly based on language that's really fascinating to see how you do it and really how you combine those elements like movement or building something with your client and also of course talking with them to them
2: And talking about this body-mind connection, this is a very important thing when it comes to your work with athletes, I Mm -hmm. guess. So what are you doing there? Yeah, I think I'm doing always the same thing, but um, a
0: little bit depending on the context. Yeah, I'm working with athletes. We are talking about what are your best hopes for the conversation or for the doing. And of course, I see also very successful athletes, but I see a lot of athletes or adolescents that had a surgery or trauma or something and they can't continue or they have a little bit the question, can I continue and how can I continue? And of course, in sports psychology, I say there are a lot of questions of how I can optimize my doing doing my sports, but also these life questions, what's about my family or if I have children, what do I do? And so it's always the same. There is someone coming or a team is coming. And then I am asking, what are your best hopes for this conversation? And then we will see what happens. But of course, most of the time it's focusing
2: on sports athletes, It's a special context also. So what is it that fascinates you about working with athletes? Yeah, it
0: was a little bit because my husband had a lot to do with athletes and I have been at different races and things. And then I always saw that athletes are saying, for example, yeah, I was hurt. I had an accident and a trauma and the physiological surgery was okay, but my psychological surgery wasn't I had to do it by myself. And I thought that's not possible. We are in a time where we know how much the mind influences the body and the body influences the mind. So I thought that's not possible. So there are a lot of people in sports coaching or sports psychology. And yeah, that was the beginning of that because I thought, okay, also in this field, solution focus could be helpful.
1: Solution focus sports has always fascinated me and I always imagined myself a soccer game and then a halftime break going in there to the team and then do something within 10 minutes in solution focus way and they go out and then win and have this experience of solution focus combined with sports. So I'm very curious what you exactly do and, and what are some examples of your work with athletes?
0: Yeah, also there, there are different examples. So for example, if I'm working with team Of course, it's like what ideas do you have if you are the best team ever and then sometimes even teams are drawing or are creating pictures or they are creating their own flag, for example, and they are, for example, then collecting all the resources of the team. And they are creating something that they put on the wall. Or, yeah, if they are going out for the game, they put it somewhere. Or sometimes sports athletes are used to make mental training. Almost every athlete know what mental training is. So just, for example, to imagine we are at our best and what pictures are coming up. And to collect this with the whole team and also to have a look at the dynamic in the team. So, for example, that there has to be a leader who could lead this and how could the leader help the team to be at the team's best. So these are different things we are doing. Also, if I start working with a team, I am asking them what they need and what ideas that they have that could be helpful. And of course, it's always what is working already and what is your preferred future and how would you know that it was helpful and then the other part also is for example working with athletes in the single sessions for example i have clients they want to support their bodies for example after sports trauma to yeah getting better again And then these are a little bit this, you can tell it hypnotherapy stuff or mental training. So yeah, just have a look at your knee, for example, and how it looks inside, what pictures are coming up. And what do you can change that it's getting better, for example, or also I'd call it solution focused trauma therapy. Also, maybe using these things like EMDR or brain spotting that we know it can make a difference, for example, in, in healing processes. That's a topic that I like because I think that if it's fitting for people, if they know that they can do things for their bodies by themselves, it's an important point of healing and getting back, for example, to sports. So
1: how are you combining EMDR and solution focus, for example, because we talked about combining solution focus with other approaches or other elements. And then yeah, the important and interesting question, how do you do it mm-hmm. exactly?
0: So I think all these things that I'm using, the question is always, how do you embed these things? So hypnotherapy or drawing or EMDR, how are you embedding this in the solution-focused approach? So my idea about that is, of course, that always the client is the expert and he has the choice. And then I make some propositions and I explain what my idea is. And then, of course, every time at a point, I ask people, just suppose this, what we made, would be helpful for you. What would you notice? How would you know that it was helpful? And then is this connection between, for example, an exercise coming maybe from another approach, but is embedded in the solution-focused approach. And of course, it's also the idea that I never know what's happening. So anyway, the client goes out of the room and takes what he needs. And also the idea that, if I am talking with people, so I'm choosing questions. I'm also a quite of expert in choosing questions, and then I think that it's a little bit the same. So maybe I'm proposing an exercise, and I'm looking if this is working for someone. So there are different aspects of how embedding things in the solution-focused approach. But of course, for example, I don't know mindfulness as mindfulness has nothing to do with the solution focused approach. But I think that's the way how I'm working, that we can use different things in a solution focused way. So maybe it's like the solution focused practice, like a meta practice, because I think that also you can make behavioral therapy in a solution focused way. So that's a little bit my personal idea about working solution focused.
1: And you're very good in also checking your proposal with your clients and really going this way with your clients, Mm -hmm. also listening to them and following their lead. These are also very relevant qualities to have when you go to China and train in China. (laughs) And we're of course curious, you just came back from China, what were your experiences coming from Switzerland, going to China, Train Solution Focus, what were some of your highlights over there?
0: It was incredible. So I'm training Chinese psychotherapists in the solution focused approach, working with children and families. And I was curious, how is this working? Of course, the most important thing is that people doing the transfer in their own context, in their own culture. And I realized that it's working. So I was doing the same thing like always, (laughs) and it was important. To have a lot of time in this question of transfer and to talk with people. So it's a curriculum, it's four times a week. So really to listen what they are doing meanwhile between the trainings. So what are you using? How was it working? How did you do that? And if it was difficult, yeah, how did you do it? And it's working. So even if I didn't understood a word, what they were talking about by observing what they are doing, I understood a lot. And I think for Chinese people, it was the same.
1: Two podcasts ago, we had Wei Weizu Xu on our podcast talking about doing solution folks in China and the differences she sees between the ethnic Chinese culture and the culture at the SFPTA, for example, or here. I was very interesting to listen to her and you know, see the differences she sees. What were some of the interesting differences or interesting moments for you or maybe also the cultural adaptions you had to make?
0: Mm-hmm. So I was talking about this example for me it was very fascinating. So we were talking about esteem and compliments in the solution focused approach. And then, of course, we had to discuss how in China for 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 example, people are giving esteem or are making compliments. And I think this is the important thing to be aware that there are big differences, but also a lot of similarities. And one of the participants said, yeah, you know, maybe it's like if in Europe, a man wants to tell his wife that he loves, he says, I love you. And maybe in Japan, a man would say, woo, have a look at this wonderful moon. And in China, the man would cook a good dinner for his wife. And I think it's important to explore these differences. Or for example, we made a live session with a young woman. She was 24. And then we made a reflecting team. And then the reflecting team, the Chinese people were talking about the girl. And then I was asking a question. I said, oh, that's interesting because, for example, in Switzerland, if we have a 24 year old young woman, we are talking about a young woman. And then they were telling me that as long as a child lives in the same apartment as the parents, It's the girl, it's the child. So I think these are important discussions if you want to adapt the approach in the different cultures. Mm. It was so interesting, really. I thought, wow, incredible. (laughs) I'm in China.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, tell us more. What else was incredible?
0: Yeah, for me, it was special because as I have a training in traditional Chinese medicine, I wanted to go to China since 25 years or even more. But I don't know. I had never the occasion and then I had children and 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 yeah. And now I have been. It was not about traditional Chinese medicine. It was about psychotherapy. (laughs) And it was fascinating because first I thought, hmm, how is this working also in this culture? Switzerland, we have a direct democracy, China is top to down, and it's about this approach who has the idea that every individual is an expert for him or herself. So in advance, I was wondering, how can this work? But it was so fascinating because if you are with people and with participants or with clients, it was the same like in Switzerland. And one of the most fascinating moments for me was, I think it was the second day and the participants were making conversations and I didn't understand a word. <laughs> and then I had this strong feeling it was trusting the process and I was sure that They are taking the things that they want to have, that they have to take with them, that the process is working. I think it was one of the most important moments for me.
2: And I guess you had some observable feedback to ground that on or to find evidence. So what gave you kind of evidence or this strong idea that you can trust the process? I
0: can't tell you. Again, I think it was my body telling me because I was stressed and I thought, oh, I should understand what they are talking about. And then I realized, no, I don't have to know what they are talking about and what they are exercising. My whole body knew, Okay, I trust the process.
1: And it might have been even easier to listen to your body, not understanding the words and the language than in cultural context where you're from, where you speak the language mm-hmm. and where you focus on language too. Mm-hmm. At lunch, we talked about your fascination of the adaption of solution focus in different contexts. Here, we also talked about how to integrate things from other approaches and use the solution focus approach as meta approach. And also in China, of course, it's about adapting and maybe it's always about adapting to the context so what is it that fascinates you about this topic of adapting solution focus to different contexts
0: I'm not sure if it's adapting the solution focused approach at different contexts or maybe it is Yeah, I think I can make an example, for example, the miracle question. I think that I'm asking the miracle question much more in a therapeutic context than in a, for example, team supervision context. So for my personal work, maybe this makes a difference so that I have the impression that, yeah, some questions of the solution focused approach are fitting better in psychiatric or therapists context and others are a little bit more fitting to other contexts. But I remember a situation working with a team with medical doctors. And in the evening before, I thought, never ever I would ask them the miracle question. <laughs> and then we started and I don't know why but then it was wow now the miracle question I think fits perfectly and then I was asking them the miracle question and it was good to ask the miracle question so I think for my personal work this is a little bit what I mean with the client leads me to the questions or the things that I'm doing and I think it's a very intuitive process so I can't tell you why I'm asking this question or why I'm proposing this exercise so it's a very intuitive thing, and I trust my intuition because I have the impression that it's working. Yeah, as I'm asking my clients or the teams or my supervisees or I don't know who and they are giving the feedback it's working. I trust the work, how I do it.
1: And this trust is also based on long experience with solution focused approach and the way you work. You were trained by Insu and Steve directly, and we are curious, and also an assumption that there may be stories with them that also helped you on your journey to get to that trust
0: (laughs) so one of these little stories is coming up so we have been three times three days in Heidelberg with Steve a colleague and myself and the first time we have been there he was showing us the miracle question and all these things and then one of the participants was asking Steve why in this moment you are asking the miracle question and Steve's answer was, why not? And of course, some of the participants were a little bit irritated. And I thought, yeah, why not now? It's like I'm following the client, but then I decide now it's the right moment. And what is this? So I don't know. It's micro or it's intuition or it's I'm doing like I'm doing it. So. <laughs> and maybe it's also if I trust the process and if I trust in myself, as therapist or whatever it's also working with the client but I don't know it's just an idea coming up I was never discussing this longer but maybe also this trusting the process trusting myself but also having trust in my clients is one of the most important things that is working
2: and what I heard you earlier say is also trusting the focus the solution focus that that makes the difference and while seeing you conversing with you I Mm -hmm. can always see how you focus on a preferred future, how you focus on things that work. And you do that in a very joyful way, which I really
1: appreciate. And you're one of these people that when you meet them at conferences, you will get a lot of appreciation. And after meeting them, you will go away and think, wow, I need to do more of that. That's one thing that I always found very fascinating meeting you. And it was always such a joy and so much appreciation towards the people you meet and also your clients and everybody in the room this also makes us curious it's probably impossible question where that comes from (laughs)
0: Yeah, good question. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think it has to do with the joy that I have, the fun that I have working with the solution focused approach. I hope that it's for clients or for teams or for groups or I don't know, for them also it's fun, but it's also fun for myself. I think it's very important that we as therapists or whatever we are coaching that we also have fun during working and i think it's much more fun to talk about solutions than to talk about problems and then i'm a egoist
2: so yeah i want to have fun <laughs> during work so <laughs> Well, so looking back on your solution-focused journey, Ursula, which is almost 30 years, if I count correctly. Not yet, but (laughs) I'm getting older and older (laughs) if I think about it. If there is one learning we have not discussed yet that was really, really important for you on your solution-focused journey, what is that? Hmm...
0: So one of the questions that at the moment I'm thinking a lot of is about this, we were talking before about that. What about the problem in the solution focused approach? How much space is there for the problem or for difficulties. At the moment, I'm quite curious to think about that. Or can we use also even problems in a solution-focused way? Or should we ignore them? I think Insu once said, if I'm working solution-focused, that doesn't mean that I'm problem-phobic. So these questions are, I think it's interesting. And I think it would be very interesting to ask our clients about that. So to ask them, how much space? needs the problem, for example. I have no ideas, but at the moment these are questions that I'm thinking a little bit about and discussing with other people. So what first ideas of answers did you find... I was reading this very interesting book from an American manager. It's called Brain at Work, and he's interested in neurobiology and all these things. And I think I was reading that brain and body, of course, love to name problems or also bad feelings, just name them, but doesn't like to talk long about it. So maybe I have a little this idea also to value the problem or the bad feelings or the difficulties, but then going further and have this solution focused and this solution talk. This is one of the ideas that I have at the moment, but I'm not sure if it's a good idea and if I will continue with this.
1: (laughs) So we can still be curious about that. And we're also curious about the challenge of the week.
0: We were talking about esteem and compliments, and I was reading something about compliments on Sunday in the newspaper. So it could be a very nice experiment to see... What about esteem for myself? Once a day, a little thing that I say, okay, that was okay, it was good enough what I did or yeah, I'm proud of me. But not too much of all these things so but little things like okay, so it's like a little tap on the shoulder once a week or once a day and also maybe have a look at my body. What is happening if I tap on my shoulder? What happens in my body? Oh okay,
2: mm. (laughs) it's nice. Very relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much, Ursula, for this lovely challenge. I can't wait and maybe I will do it twice a day and I hope you will forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) But be careful, (laughs) not too much. (laughs)
1: You can't see us, but we're all tapping on our shoulders and (laughs) we're wondering when does that stop?
2: (laughs) And we are curious how the challenge of the week works for you and what inspires you about our podcast with Ursula. So please let us know and comment in the comment field on www.sfontour.com slash simplyfocuspodcast and then go to episode number 88.
1: And you know that what is important for you could also be important for someone else and what inspires you could also inspire someone else. So let us know and also share your stories with us.
2: So Ursula, thank you very, very much for this conversation and for all the conversations to come already. We truly enjoy being with you and are looking forward to many, many more good things to come. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And
0: thank you to be here. And thank you for everyone out there listening.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Have a great week and see you next week. Goodbye. 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 Wow, what a great episode again. Do you also like the Simply Focus podcast? Then help Elfie and Dominic spread the word. Give the Simply Focus podcast a five-star rating on iTunes, Google Play, and other platforms. Plus, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And share your thoughts and inspirations with others. Comment at www.sfontour.com and then go to this episode. This was Simply Focus Podcast with Alfie Cherney and Dominic Godat, Your podcast for a life in joy and ease.